Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Adam. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter, at Undercover Greg. As welcome you into another college basketball edition of Full Slate. That means we welcome in our college basketball co-host, Phil Christie. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry, at Larry's Locks 2, for all of his picks. Bill, as we record on a Tuesday night into a Wednesday morning, how you doing, my friend? I am fantastic. I'd be a little bit better if we didn't have LSU going on an 18-0 run to end the game against the Aggies, uh, prevented me from an 8-0 sweep on the night. But nonetheless, <clears throat> I will sign up for a 7-1 night, including three three-unit max plays hitting as well every single day of the week. So can't complain about it. Just tough to swallow when it's 18-0 run at the end of a game. But... Hey, great Tuesday night. We got a decent slate lined up for us tomorrow night that we're going to dive into. And hey, we're getting you know another week closer to the March Madness tournament. So I'm excited. I was going to say beggars certainly can't be choosers in this business. We'd all love a sweep every night, but uh, uh, certainly nobody's perfect. And seven and one sounds uh, fine and dandy to me as well. And hey, you're right. Here we are at the end of January. Uh, the Super Bowl will be in a week and a half, and then college basketball will really take center stage. And it just feels good that we've gotten to the end of the NFL season, and uh, you know it looks like we're going to get to the end of the college basketball season. Knock on wood. Uh, you know, just uh, some more good things happening uh, in the world of sports with with games being played and seasons being completed, which is more than we could have said uh, certainly at this time a year ago. Absolutely, you're 100 percent right. So. Uh, as we move along, well, I guess more like 10 months ago, as uh, COVID kind of started shutting things down right around March Madness 2020. But nonetheless, let's jump right in as we have a crossfire uh, consensus uh, and some of our plays of our own as we kind of run through the Wednesday board. Uh, we kind of like to start with the games that we're both involved in and, and end 
with those as well if there happen to be at least two of them, and that is the case here. We're going to start with a crossfire action where we have the Louisville Cardinals traveling to South Carolina to take on the Clemson Tigers in an ACC tilt. Total in this game of 129.5. Line is sitting right about pick. Uh, looked like it opened some. I think I saw some Louisville plus ones out there. Uh, but nonetheless, let's call it pick for the purpose of this pod. Bill, I hate to rub it in a little bit, but I do ah. take a minor victory lap. You've been beating me up pretty good earlier on the crossfires. The Kentucky Wildcats got there for me on Saturday. Yeah, yes, they did. Good thing you weren't on them tonight, though, right? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Gosh, one step forward, three steps back, right? Exactly, 100%. Anyway, I'm going to be on the Louisville side here. Uh, and first off, it's a lot of the anti-Clemson stuff that Bill mentioned with the game against Florida State when Clemson was a seven-point road underdog against, at the time, an unranked Florida State team over the weekend. I actually don't know if Florida State cracked the 25 or not, Bill, did they? Uh, I'm looking right now. Florida State did not. Not okay. So I have to think. Are they probably pretty high up in the votes? Uh, I can't see the votes from what I'm looking at now, but I, I don't see them in the top 25. Okay. Anyway, nonetheless, Clemson as a ranked team traveling to Tallahassee uh, as a seven-point underdog loses that game convincingly, and I, I think we all kind of as we discussed on our Friday night pod into Saturday, we kind of figured that there was a good deal of noise behind those numbers for Florida, or excuse me, for Clemson. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing them outside the top, uh, you know, top 65, you know, for NCAA tournament purposes, uh, in offensive efficiency. They're 80th in the nation in offensive efficiency. Now, granted, uh, Clemson has certainly defended well, uh, which is why they're still 50th overall in the Ken Palm rankings, 21st in the nation in defensive efficiency. But the reason I like Louisville here is we're seeing a short line, and Louisville is 4-1 and one this year in games decided by six points or less straight up. Uh, and, and Clemson's straight up 2-1, and one, granted, in games decided by six points or less. Uh, but I do think, just getting back to my point about anti-Clemson and why I, I'm going to continue to sell some of their stock here, I just think Clemson peaked early. I mean, there was they. You, if you look back at what Clemson did early in the season, the, the you know the December you know the 2020 portion of the schedule primarily double digit non conference wins against Mississippi State, Purdue, Maryland, and Alabama, and a conference double digit win at home against Florida State before the Seminoles extracted some revenge, as we mentioned over the weekend. Uh, but here's the thing: the last three games and. You know, again, I think it's always square to a degree to look too much at recent form, and maybe this is why you're on Clemson here, Bill. The last three games for the Tigers, they've lost by 28, 18, or excuse me, 25, 18, and 19. 35. Okay. Or 35, yes, my mistake. Mm-hmm. So they've been getting clobbered lately yep. in conference games. And Louisville's coming in having won six out of eight. They just picked up a win over Duke. I know you were on them, Bill, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And... I mentioned Clemson not really, uh, you know, a very good offensive team. Louisville, get, they're getting done on both ends of the floor as they're 38th overall in the Kempom ratings, 37th in offensive efficiency, 47th in defensive efficiency. Uh, so I, I think they're an NCAA tournament team. The Cardinals are. And you look at Clemson, not only were they getting blown out, 
but they weren't scoring, right? And, and we talked about that. I mentioned them struggling offensively. In those three conference games, 50, 65, and 61 points scored. So if you're going to give me Louisville, a team that, like I said, 37th in the nation in offensive efficiency, I know that obviously we talk sometimes about side and totals and how it can correlate just based off looking at the total in a short line. 129.5 is a low total, but if you're going to give me this Louisville team coming in with some confidence off of a victory over Duke, where they can get this game up in the 70s, which I think they can. I'm just taking the better team. Again, Coleman Square, I'm taking the better team at pick uh, in the Louisville Cardinals. And, Bill, I'm real curious why you like Clemson here because you were uh, pretty anti-Clemson in that handicap with Florida State on Saturday. Absolutely. But you mentioned who who, who did Louisville just beat? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the the, the screaming student reporter, Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started with my man. I, I, I can't even bring myself to yeah, I mean, you, Bill, you say that, but they also, like, they, they covered that, not, it was a short number, like, they're only laying two and a half, so, market's still respecting Duke a little. Oh, they're always going to, because there's always going to be clowns out there, they're going to take them, because they're Duke, right? Like, like very similar to what you said <clears throat> about the Oklahoma-Kansas game on Saturday, like, people look at that, and they say, oh, Kansas, and, and that's the sprawl, I have to take Kansas, it's the same kind of mentality. Like, there's just so many people out there. You're Duke, you're Kentucky. Th- those numbers are still, in my opinion, staying inflated. And I don't think it's ever going to change this year because th- people are still going to be squares and bet on those teams. Not calling you one here, but from what you said, you, you said they're, they're winning against Duke. So I'll start there. Louisville was riding high. All of a sudden hit a stumbling block, block at Miami. They lost by six. Then they went home to Florida State. They lost by 13. But then they kind of ran at the ship, I guess you'd say, against this. And, and that's what I'm door. saying. Like, that's why I, I, I looked at that win and said, okay, they had won five in a row, as you said, riding high. They had the two losses, but then they get a win and cover against Duke. I think they're getting back to that form that had won five straight league games. But Duke is six and five. Like, if we, t- if we take that name off of them and we put any other six and five team in there, you know, we're like, and they only won by five? Great. I know the spread was what it was, but – You'd be like, oh, I mean, they're, maybe they're getting it back, but it's not a great performance. When I look at the other side of it in Clemson, they're they're kind of eerily similar in the fact that you had mentioned that Clemson started out of the gate really hot. They were nine and one, I believe I had it at, and then they stumbled at Georgia Tech, and then they lost at Florida State. Right, so they're not bad losses either when you really look at it. Um, you know, the Georgia Tech team that they lost to. They were kind of motoring through in there, too. You know, they won, they ratted off, I think it was four in a row prior to. And then Florida State is a team who, they've really rounded into form here. And they look like the team that everybody was kind of talking about preseason as being a team within the ACC to kind of represent them come March Madness. Now, Clemson, this is just straight up talking, straight up, Clemson's 5-1 and at home. Louisville, respectable 3-2 and on the road. 0-1 0-1 is a road dog. You really can't play that much into it because it's only a short, a short line. And Clemson 3-1 as a home favorite. But like I said, Clemson is coming in on a three-game losing streak after starting that 9-1. and And Louisville right now is the only ranked team left on their schedule, right? So after they got thumped, if they played Virginia, right? They get smacked by Virginia. You mentioned that. Um, and then the Georgia Tech and, the, uh, and then the other loss – um, to Florida State, but I just don't see, I don't see Louisville, again, they're 
bottom of the top 25, but they are a ranked team on the road here against this Clemson team. I, I just feel like this is the guy. I want to use your turn. This is the uh, circle the wagon for Clemson here. <laughs> like you got, you got. Look, you don't have much of an opportunity. I can't believe I'm saying this within the ACC conference schedule. You don't really have that many more opportunities to put some quality, qu- high quality wins on your resume. This might be the best one that they have a chance at, barring what happens come the ACC tournament. Um, but again, we talked about the Duke win. To me, it's a small win. Uh, and again, you mentioned the total. To me, that ind- indicates a lower scoring game. Clemson has the edge defensively. I'm going to be playing Clemson here, laying the short number, or you know, who knows what's going to you know finish up at closing line. Uh, but I already put it out to my guys at minus one. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about the spread at all. I really think Clemson's going to get the job done here at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say on the you know to put a button on this game. You mentioned Clemson. This being their only ranked opponent the rest of the regular season, that to me just means moving forward as we, you know, if they do, now granted, their next game is at Duke, and and we just talked about Duke and how, you know, I was going to factor in a look-ahead element, but Clemson did win the last time they played Duke, which was granted last season. So, you know, I I don't know that there's, it it factors in quite as much, and obviously no fans going to Cameron. We've talked about all that as well. So I don't know that that's much of a factor here, making me like Louisville. Um, But the real reason that I think, why I like Louisville, and what you said about, like, Clemson, this being their last-ranked opponent of the regular season, I wanted to get at that a little more, because that, to me, screams, okay, Louisville's going to win this game, then Clemson's going to start picking up some more wins against its, you know, unranked opponents or whatever, and come the end of February, going into the ACC tournament, we're going to be saying the same thing about Clemson that you were saying over the weekend against Florida State, where it's like, oh, you know, Clemson, like, they they finished the season, you know, 20 and 8 or whatever, like, you know, look at old little Clemson in the, on, the, on the men's hardwood now, making some progress, and we're going to kind of, the narrative around them might be that they're, you know, a program on the rise, when in reality, we're going to be saying, well, there's still some noise in these numbers because they really haven't beaten anybody. This is a chance for them, no doubt. I think Louisville's a decent team. Like, can I ask you, like, what what you think Louisville's just kind of lackadaisical, like not that good? Is this more of an anti-Louisville handicap or a pro-Clemson handicap for you? That's a tough question. I mean, I, I really think, again, I've always said this. When I first look at the spreads, that, that's a big indication to me of where I'm going to lean to get out of the gate. But the Louisville team, like, they, yeah, they have a decent win against Virginia Tech. They won by two, um, and it was at home. And then outside of that, they don't have, I mean, I guess you could call the Seton Hall win a decent win. Wake Forest. Right, this Duke team maybe the best win actually on their schedule. When I'm really looking at it, <clears throat> to me at least right now is the the win at Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, by right. ten, uh, the Kentucky win. Eh, it's Kentucky. They're down. The best team that they played was Wisconsin, and they got thrashed by them. So like, there's nothing here. I guess if I'm looking at it this way, I guess I would say it's an anti Louisville handicap. Um, I'm not sold on them. I don't think they're that good. Uh, I don't, I, like I mentioned before, I don't think Clemson's that good either. I think the fact of the spot that Clemson's in here is is the main reason why I'm playing this. Um, and it being a short number, like you said, you think Louisville's the better team. It's like, well, I would think, uh, granted, I know it's on the road, but I would think Louisville would be a, a little bit of a favorite here, three to four points maybe. Yeah, no, and I would generally, and we're going to get to our consensus play 
later on in the pod, which happens to also fall in the ACC. So we'll circle back to this conference. I would generally align myself with that train of thought, but I just think the Clemson just getting blown out time and time again in these recent games. I really wonder where that locker room's at. And if you're going to tell me it's a close game, then I say Louisville 4-1 straight up in the games decided by six points or less. I, I just don't know if – I think we're starting to see the real Clemson show up here, and I, I wouldn't want a piece of them, so that's why I like Louisville. Well, here's the only thing right, before we jump off of this game. And I know it's not a huge thing because you don't have much of a crowd there, but the home court advantage, all their losses, Clemson, have been on the road. At home, they beat a decent NC State team. We mentioned they beat the Florida State team at home. Like, quality wins. It's Auburn by Virginia at home. Yeah, I mean, well, they're Virginian, right? Like, I mean, Virginia's going to be, yeah, but, in okay, my opinion. Like, you're going to talk about, like, you know what the spread was in that Virginia game? Like, I'm looking right at it. I'm curious if you know. Uh, it was small. Like, what, six? No, it was one and a half. So that's uh, kind of the same thing, right? Like, that's a Clemson line, right? Like, you, yeah. you just hear that? And they lost by 35, so. Yeah, but and, and, and like, 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 one win recently, NC State, I remember because I had NC State plus five in that game. NC State had the lead a yep. large majority of that game and yep. slipped up big time down the stretch. So I, I think that was an indicator already that, that Clemson was ready to you know hit the turnstile and, and uh, fade quickly. All right, we shall see what happens. Shall see indeed. Let's go out west uh, to the final game actually in the college basketball rotation on Wednesday night. The Utah State Aggies making the trip to Sin City to take on the UNLV running Rebels. Utah State laying five and a half on the road, total of 136. Bill, you're, this is your spot. I really didn't look much into this game. You're on Utah State, the road chalk, first half and full game. Yes, I am. I was actually on the same exact plays on Monday night, so I'm going to go with this uh, zigzag theory that many are playing. Um, and I've been noticing that it's been hitting more often than not. Uh, the second game of the back-to-back, you play the opposite team that covered. Um, and when you look at almost every single category in efficiency statistics, Utah State blows this UNLV team out of the water in every statistical category. Um, I have to ride with them. Utah State, they're sixth in defensive efficiency percentage. Like I mentioned, they have an advantage in every other uh, category. Um, they were also, I think it was 4 yeah, they were 4-0 as road favorites before that Monday night game. Uh, against UNLV. This is a bounce back here. I see them winning. I see them winning big and blowing UNLV out of their own building. Um, and the candy cap really quick, the first half play, not only because I like the game so much, but also because of the fact that Utah State on the road, they have a 7.6 uh, first half point differential to their favor, whereas on the other side, UNLV, they are a minus 0. 0.8 uh, first half uh, differential at home. Again, the game that they just played is not indicative of what is going to happen in this game. The fact the line remains the same tells me that it's going to come back and it's going to be Utah State that's going to get this easy win. Um, if you look at the score, too, it was, it was low scoring uh, last game. To me, Utah State's one of the best defense teams in the country, statistically speaking. Um, I, I see them keeping UNLV down to a small total again but them on the offensive end being able to get the job done. So, yeah, I'm going to be playing a stack here. Already gave it out to my guys. Uh, I'm not going to mention exactly how many units we're playing it for, but it's a, it's a really nice stack play for sure for my guys tomorrow night. 
Yeah, the one thing I'll say here, and as I said, I didn't look much into it, but just situationally, I like your thinking with the zigzag theory, particularly when you have a team like UNLV that is a little further down the Mountain West standings. They get a win as an underdog at home, maybe a little fat and happy. They're, they're just 500, right? There's not a whole lot to, to uh, write home about about the running Rebels. I believe the coach there, TJ Otzelberger, I know he came from South, uh, South Dakota State. I believe this is either his first or second season, their second season. So still laying a bit of a foundation there as far as UNLV. Obviously, Utah State uh, had that very dramatic uh, Mountain West Conference Championship win with that shot from Sam Merrill last year against San Diego State. Obviously, they are, we know them. They are one of the better teams in this conference. And you would expect them to bounce back. And I also think when you're talking about, you know, bounce back and, you know, revenge, if you want to call it that as well, with it being back-to-back, I think that also lends itself toward, more towards first half, right? Because yeah. I don't think we talk that much. Like, oftentimes we look at revenge spots or we look at look-ahead spots or whatever, and we think more full game. Well, I think particularly revenge, when you got to stew on a game that you shouldn't have lost, like Utah State did as, as a short favorite against UNLV, I think that probably lends itself more towards the first half thinking, well, you know, they're going to come out real hungry out of the gate and, you know, start the game on a 20 to 5 run or something. Uh, so that I, I definitely uh, would lean with their first half play for sure. Yeah, and looking back at both of these teams, because they're in the same conference, they're playing all these back to backs. Utah State has not, not covered one of these back to backs. Majority of them, they covered both. Um, but they have yet to, to miss on on both games of it. UNLV, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. They've split. They haven't played as many, but they've split every single one of their back-to-back. So just another way to, to point us in the direction of Utah State here. I want to take us uh, to the Big East uh, for my next play as I'm going to look uh, to – well, actually, uh, the Big East game taking place in the Central Time Zone as the DePaul Blue Demons are a short home favorite of one point, it looks like, against the St. John's Red Storm. Total in this game of 151.5. Uh, and this was one of those kind of funky lines where I just mm-hmm. said to myself, gosh, you know, first off, DePaul has only played half as many games as St. John's. DePaul 3-5 and five on the year straight up. St. John's 9-7. and seven. Okay, so, you know, St. John's, you know, Obviously, right now, definitely on the outside looking in uh, as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. Um, and so they definitely need to make a run uh, to at least have a seat at the table. But obviously, DePaul at 3-5, and five, not going anywhere. So I see them right. favored having played half as many games as St. John's and obviously not playing that well in those games. That obviously is going to tip me off uh, towards the home chalk or pass the game altogether. Uh, and, and I'm not really concerned. You know, Yes, I looked at uh, DePaul's next game uh, it's Creighton but you know I'm not really that concerned about a potential look ahead because as I said DePaul isn't very good like they, they normally I think we look at look aheads and we think oh well it's this team coming in hot right and, and they got this big rivalry game on deck or whatever uh you know now they're gonna look past this team that they're like a seven point favorite in or whatever you know uh and it is Creighton as I double check the DePaul schedule had some doubt there if my um memory served me correctly but anyway uh, point being here, I, I think that for whatever reason, uh, you know, I tried to figure out why DePaul was favored. Uh, you know, and I did look at the Kempom, uh, just basic Kempom metrics that we like to reference. DePaul's still 53rd in defensive efficiency. So, 
And St. John's, on the other hand, outside the top 60 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So if you're looking at one team offensively or defensively in this game that seems to be average to above average, it would be DePaul on the defensive end of the floor. Again, smaller sample size. Uh, but they did also just win at Marquette as a nine-point underdog. So DePaul's coming in here, I think, with a little more confidence, um, you know, just having not played that much. Then they go get a win on the road as close to a double-digit underdog. I think that's got to do some good things for the team morale for, for what it's worth. Sometimes I like to look at common opponents. Marquette also beat uh, St. John's, uh, who is obviously the opponent here for the Blue Demons. And then, you know, you look at St. John's. I mentioned them obviously not being an NCAA tournament team in all likelihood this year. They got a nice road win at UConn, but there's not much else that St. John's can really hang their heads on. So, so really, how good are they, right? And that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's also part of these handicaps. When we look at these lines and we're a little weirded out by them, uh, it's, it's more or less because the team that you would expect would be the you know, considerable favorite, in this case, St. John's, really just isn't all that impressive. And, you know, therefore, the books kind of bait you into taking them at a shorter number or even in this case as a short dog. Not for me. I'm taking DePaul minus one in the Big East. Yep, I'm with you on this. All the reasons you stated, um, St. John's being one and three as a road dog. Um, and then on the other side, DePaul, two and one as home favorites. You know, two of their, what, three wins right. are coming home as favorites. So. And the other <clears> one being <throat> that Marquette win I mentioned. Right, so I like that. And then the fact that you got St. John's um, – in a, in a typical look-ahead spot here, DePaul, who cares? They're 3-5. and five. They stink. We should get a win against them. And then they're looking at UConn and Nova, the next two games they have on the horizon right. there. So, yeah, I, I really like this spot for DePaul a lot. Um, I'm going to be kind of curious to see uh, how the public tickets come in here because i got a feeling they're going to be coming in on St. John's. Um, right now I'm looking at the Action Network. It's, it's only 50%. It's about even. However, it's only 340 tickets that are in there. So, um, I'm going to look to that to see if that changes at all. Uh, but either way, I'll be on the Paul. Just a matter of of how heavy we'll be on them. So let's take a break, and we'll come back and uh, get to few, get to a few more picks. We'll wrap up the pod in about twenty twenty five minutes with a consensus play. I hope you're all sitting down because we have to tell you something monumental. We love sports betting, and whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to tell you about a great resource for sports bettors. The Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. And you can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical trends with the latest games and lines. And lastly, you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive half off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code full slate. This offer won't last for long, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use the promo code full slate to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg, joined by our college basketball co-host Bill Christie. 
Salute to Larry is how you know him on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks too. Uh, Bill, we just wrapped up as we get back into the picks. We just wrapped up with a Big East game between DePaul and St. John's. You're going to keep us in the Big East where we're seeing Creighton, a pretty short road favorite here of one and a half points, total of 147 and a half as Creighton makes a trip to East Orange to take on Seton Hall. And I have to think, again, that, that line probably tipped you off a little, uh, being a Seton Hall or pass type line, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. This, this falls into that category of, you know, ranked team versus unranked team. The unranked team is, is a short, short dog. Wouldn't it shock me if they become a small favorite by the time tip comes tomorrow. Um, but to really break it down, Creighton is a mediocre road team against the spread, whereas Seton Hall on the other side is a very strong team at home against the spread. Not only that, but Seton Hall is 4-1 after a loss. They just took a loss in their last outing. Um, they had a battle with Nova, close game, they only lost by two. Creighton, uh, Creighton just had a really nice win over uh, a good UConn team. So, again, maybe puffing their chest, feeling good about themselves, looking at the Seton Hall team like it should be an easy W for them. Uh, but Seton Hall is also 28th in the country in getting to the foul line. They connect on almost 74% of those free throw attempts. We've talked about that before when we're playing dogs. We like to have the teams uh, that get to the line actually get the job done once they get there. Uh, and Creighton, on the other hand, they struggle at the line. So this should be a close game. Having the edge here at the foul line makes me like Seton Hall here. I'm going to be playing the money line because it's just going to be some plush juice for us. I don't think the points are going to come into play much. Um, so give me the Pirates, even though they got that clown Kevin Willard as their head coach. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking more at Seton Hall's body of work. Obviously, uh, you know, I think this also kind of tips you off on it being a good line, a good spot to take Seton Hall. Because the last time they played Creighton, and I know Creighton is a very good home home court advantage, one of the more underrated ones in college basketball. Creighton won by Smack. 36. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 89 to 53. And that game was only three weeks ago, back on January the 6th. Since then, they've got a, Seton Hall has a win over DePaul, a loss to Nova, and those are their only games because they had some COVID postponements. So they played twice, won one game, and, you know, since that loss against uh, Creighton, which they lost by 36, and yet here they are now, and the line's only one and a half. You know, I'm with you as far as Seton Hall being the side here. And by the way, for what it's worth, I, you know, Seton Hall, yeah, they're not Nova, they're not Creighton, you know, but I'm looking at some of their other, the rest of the body work, like, they're having a nice little season here. They they went to Marquette and won earlier this year, just talked about St. John's, they took care of them, beating them by nine. You know, some tricky non-conference opponents for them playing Rhode Island and Oregon, and, and they beat Louis, or they lost to, lost by one, excuse me, to Louisville. So they definitely held their own in the non-conference. Uh, and, and you're just speaking more towards the, the close games angle. And if this is close, then I do think you probably have to lean to the Seton Hall side uh, just solely on this kind of being, you know, a good spot for them to kind of make a statement in the Big East. They, you know, have played a, a lot of tight games. Uh, at home in particular uh, against Butler, and, and, and they lost, granted, by three against Providence at home. Uh, but I think for the most part, you can expect them to, to really give it their all here and, and, and uh, kind of uh, right the ship uh, after a very close loss again at Nova. You know, that's the thing, too, mm-hmm. right? Like, not really one for moral victories, but, you know, if any program, you know, Bill, you and I are both, you know, East Coast guys grew up in, in this area, you know, you go to the pavilion and you play right down the wire with the Villanova Wildcats. Like, you got to leave feeling, you know, 
like you did something, even though you only lost by two. So yeah, I think mean, Hall's coming in here thinking they got a good chance to win. Yeah, and I would take it, you know, slightly, I guess, with a grain of salt, because I believe that was was that Villanova's first game back since. That's uh, true. Yes, and I had Seton Hall in that game. Uh, it was Nova's first game in like three weeks, but yeah, but still, I mean, for no, a, yeah, like, for a team like Seton Hall, I think that's still worth something. A hundred percent, I agree with you. Yep. I'm going to take us to the Atlantic 10, and I'll be brief on this handicap because I'll be honest, I don't have a ton on it. Uh, but hey, it is a little bit of an earlier start, a six o'clock tip, as the Fordham Rams are hosting the Duquesne um, Dukes, and obviously um, Fordham is one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, but they're going to be my play here, and 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 something that Bill and I will talk about. You know, all tickets cash the same, and uh, you know we're starting to see. Fordham uh, be more competitive. And uh, now, in the process, they also just fired their coach. Uh, and, you know, it sounded like that was a long time coming. Fordham has been an absolute train wreck. So, I, I think <laughs> this is more something we like to talk about in pro sports. But the bet on the team after they fire the coach angle is something that I've always liked. Because I think that, you know, whether you're College kids, professionals, anytime you see the coach go, I think that can really light a fire under guys and, and realize that, you know, hey, like, you know, the coach just went, we're not getting the job done, you know, we got to strap up and, and really play for our interim coach now and just make Fordham a desirable location that, that, that you know, you could try and sell somebody on in the future. I just think that, generally speaking, it's something I like to do first game after the coach gets fired, I expect it to ignite a little bit of a fire under the team whose coach just got fired. That's the case here for Fordham. And, uh, you know, Covers had this game open at seven. It's down to six and a half. Majority of the tickets coming on Duquesne um, so far. So that also kind of tips me off a little on the Fordham side. And I mentioned Fordham starting to play a little better and be more competitive. They're all back-to-back covers against Davidson and Rhode Island. Uh, and they had the lead at halftime against Rhode Island, um, you know, so I think Fordham's coming in here thinking, because, by the way, the spreads in those games, they were getting 18.5 against Davidson, they were getting 16 against URI. So I think now, at 6.5, Fordham's coming in saying, hey, you know, Duquesne, 1-3 in, in road games, you know, and, and, you know, also against the spread, Duquesne, 1-3 in against the spread on the road. Like, I think Fordham's coming in saying, hey, you know, why can't we steal this one? We're, we're starting to play better. We had a lead at halftime against Rhode Island. You know, we're getting a, a, a mediocre at best Duquesne team, probably below average Duquesne team coming in here. Like, this is a chance for Fordham, I think, to try and steal one. Uh, I'm not going to – I am not. can't say I'm confident enough in, <laughs> in Fordham, so I'm not going to sprinkle the money line. But I do think that they can keep this one close again and cover another number. I'll take Fordham plus six and a half. Very interesting. Let me ask a question. How many Division One basketball teams are there in the country? Do you know? Well, I still got Ken Palm up, so I'll go all the way up. Uh, <laughs> I'll, save, I'll save you. Yeah. What's that? I still got Ken Palm up. They're showing th- showing me 357. 357. And you saw where Fordham's offense is ranked right in adjusted efficiency? 348th, yes. Woof! Woof! That's scary. <clears throat> hey, but you know what? And, and I'm looking at and Duquesne's defensively is top 75 in the country. So it, it doesn't look like it makes sense. Like you're saying, like, what, why are they only getting six and a half? And you said it's ticked down. So, like, 
yeah, that that line seems a little wacky, especially considering the fact that not many people are probably paying attention to this game. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's some other games in the slate that that you kind of key into, um, and I, I would bet that uh, probably close to seventy percent of the tickets that are on Duquesne are literally on that because of the fact that you mentioned they heard Fordham just fired their coach, and they're like, "Oh, this team's in disarray. We're just going to take Duquesne." So yeah, now, I, I like, like I said that the last two games Fordham's actually been competitive. Yeah, yeah, I like the angle on it. I, I'm not going to have a play on it. Um, I just thought it was funny when I pulled up the Ken Palm real quick just to see it where they were in uh, in offensive efficiency, and I couldn't believe they were that low. So, hey, it can only get better from here, right? Man, plug your nose and hang on. That's this That's kind of right. That's right. Fordham plus the points. Let's wrap things up. We're going back to the conference we started off in. It's the ACC where we have Virginia Tech traveling to South Bend. The Hokies are a short dog in this game of one point. Total of 139.5. A consensus play for us on the Irish, Bill. I'll let you go first since I just did a lot of talking. Tell me why you like the Irish. I imagine since it's a consensus play, we'll have a lot of the similar reasons. But you go ahead and fire away. Absolutely. Unranked versus ranked. Virginia Tech 11-3. and three. Notre Dame is abysmal 5-8. and eight. Why in God's name would Notre Dame be favored in this game? Makes no sense. Uh, I'm going to be on Notre Dame, like we said. Uh, Virginia Tech, they, they got Virginia next, right? Like, that's going to be – not only is it a huge game due to the fact that Virginia is a top-10 team in the country right now, it's a huge game because of the in-state rivalry. So, sure. like, that's a huge look-ahead spot uh, for this Virginia Tech team. It's going to be going on the road here to Notre Dame. It's not a good spot for them. Uh, they just got hammered by Syracuse. Um, and they just don't they don't look right. Like they look out of sorts. And to me, that goes back to what we said before about these look ahead games where, you know, maybe even against Syracuse, like Virginia Tech's their their focus is more on Virginia and seeing how well right. Virginia's playing as of late, like, oh man, like man, you know, we gotta prepare for them before the Virginia game. Right. Exactly. Um and then the other little tidbit I want to throw out there that I I looked at and I and, and noticed Virginia Tech in their losses, they've allowed over seventy points. This Notre Dame team has been inside that number recently. I see that continuing. I think Notre Dame's going to put up points in this game, over 70, uh, and I think they get the job done and, and knock off the, the Hokies here at home. Yeah, I'm going to be with you here uh, and, and take Notre Dame. Obviously, you know, this was one that your eyes really open when you look at the disparity in straight-up record. And, you know, it's not even, like I mentioned DePaul, you know, being a short favorite, you know, having played half the games that St. John's has played well. Here they played about the same. Notre Dame five and eight, Virginia Tech eleven and three. You talked about the in-state rivalry on deck with Virginia Tech against Virginia, and look at it, right? Like even if, and this is why I do think the look ahead could still apply, even though Virginia Tech got clobbered by Cuse, because Virginia Tech's in the top twenty-five still, right? Like if yeah. they were to lose this game and then they come back and they do win against Virginia, well, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna think much about this Notre Dame win, right? Or Notre Dame loss. And, yeah, you could argue it would be a bad loss on their resume, but if you're a top 25 team and you manage to pull an upset against Virginia who's in the top 10, then, you know, that's going to kind of solidify your spot. Like, if you're Virginia Tech, you're saying, well, you're not even on the bubble in the first place. So it's not like this loss against Notre Dame would be that crippling, So whereas the win against Virginia would really catapult them. So I do think that there still is some look-ahead element here for Virginia Tech. You talked about them getting, we talked about them getting clobbered by Syracuse. And again, as I mentioned with DePaul, 
uh, and how they've defended well. Like I've always tried to find when we have these lines, you try and figure out why. And sometimes you can't figure it out, and you're just betting it solely on the fact that the line doesn't make sense, which I don't even necessarily have a problem with. I think that can make sense sometimes. But mm-hmm. for what it's worth, Notre Dame's still 25th in the nation in offensive efficiency. So, you know, they're able to score, and we've talked about Notre Dame on previous pods being a good three-point shooting team. A little bit of a revenge spot for Notre Dame here. Wasn't that long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, they lost to Virginia Tech. And I mentioned Fordham, you know, coming in with the back-to-back covers. Notre Dame's coming in off back-to-back straight-up wins. And for these teams that aren't as good, I just think that means more whether you're competitive or if you're winning games straight up. I think that just boosts the morale a little bit and has Notre Dame coming into this game thinking that they got a shot to win. I looked at the offensive numbers, as I said, because I was curious with Notre Dame, just the basic, you know, points per game, having seen them 25th in offensive efficiency, averaging 71 points per game to Virginia Tech 73 points per game. So, you know, that alone says, well, this could be a competitive game, as the line indicates. And then the one thing that Notre Dame was able to do pretty well in those wins against Boston College um, and Miami, they defended a lot better. They allowed 70 and 59 points in those games. So if they're able to kind of maybe split the difference and keep Virginia Tech in the mid-60s, I definitely think they can win this game. All of it has me on the Notre Dame side. I'm with you here, Bill. Uh, Any final word uh, on this game? I, I don't have much else. No, that's all I got. Uh, that's all I got for this game. I will say, I know, I know we all have seen it today. Um, you know, the anniversary of it being uh, the yeah. death of Kobe Bryant. Um, oddly enough, we're talking about it on a college basketball podcast, and the man never uh, played a game. Played a game in, in college. What? Was it LaSalle? He would ended up going to because of his that, dad. Yeah, that's that's always the rumor that I heard. I mean, obviously, who knows? I mean, I used to always hear the rumor Garnett. If he went, he was going to go to Michigan, but. You know, who, who knows? Where was Ohio State? I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was his. Um, but I, I literally can still remember being a uh, a young kid playing basketball, um, playing for my my grade school team back in the day, and me and a buddy of mine, uh, best man at my wedding, actually, we used to after Kobe decided that he was going pro, and he had that press conference. Uh, at Lower Marion, you know, where he's on the podium, and he says, uh, and oddly enough, he, he says the line that, or LeBron really says the line that Kobe used with, I'm going to take my talents to the NBA. And, you know, LeBron took it, and I took, I'm took, i taking my talents to South Beach. Um, but we went to a, a, a small Catholic school, and uh, there was, like, always a podium around because, you know, you have different things for mass and all that stuff. And whenever we would see a podium, we would we would run up to the podium real quick and, and, and get our arms on there and, and do the Kobe, you know, like, I'll take my talents to the NBA. You know, neither one of us were ever going to aspire to be a real NBA player. But, um, you know, he, he inspired a lot of kids, a, a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it kind of hit me again today seeing all these tributes and, um, yeah. flashbacks of, of what happened this day last year. Um, the, the basketball community lost, you know, one of the best ever uh, to play the game and definitely one of the best ambassadors to the game, especially what he was doing um, on the on the women's side with WNBA and with his girls and with Gigi. Like, it's, it's crazy, again, to think he's gone and, you know, what would have been in the coming years um, with him being in retirement and all the plans that he had. It's... It's tough. It's tough to see it again, but, you know, life goes on. But 
curious what your thoughts were today about it. Yeah, uh, no, it definitely runs through your mind. And, you know, you and me both being Philly guys, obviously, um, you know, I, 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 I get chills even when I'm, you know, I've been in the Palestra countless times and I, I never got to see Kobe play there, but uh, you walk around the concourse and you see some of the pictures of the big five legends and, and, and some of the big time Philly high school legends. And he's obviously right there, Rasheed Wallace, obviously having played at Simon Gratz. So, um, you know, that, that also hit me. Gosh, I was back for a Temple Drexel game I went to there and, and seeing Kobe on the wall there in his lower Marion jersey certainly, um, uh, you know, hits with you a little different that you remember that uh, one of the greatest basketball players of all time is from your neck of the woods. Uh, and, and also on that end, I mean, gosh, the, the, the eeriness of it all a year ago, Bill, with LeBron passing Kobe on the all-time scoring list uh, in Philly against the Sixers the night before he died was just, yeah. you know, you think about it and they just give you chills. And, um, you know, on a different level, this was something I didn't even think about uh, until I saw it today. And it is funny how the world works. Uh, today happened to be a, a different sport, but <laughs> this guy, the greatest to ever play his sport, today happened to be Wayne Gretzky's 60th birthday. And, you know, I saw that and just started thinking, gosh, you know, this day, the greatest hockey player ever was born. And on the same day, one of the greatest basketball players passed away, you know, in 2020. It's just weird. And yeah, you know, talk, talk about weird. Talk about, yeah, and talk about weird. How weird <laughs> when you think back at it when it happened and they did the tributes right in the next game. And it was the shot clock violation, 24 seconds. Right. It was number 24. And then guys taking the backcourt uh, violation. Right. right. Eight seconds yeah. from his number eight. Like, <clears throat> those type of things, man. They, that just, that freaks me out. Cause oh, just, it does. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, how, I mean, I get it. It's a coincidence. But, man, like, how? How, like, you know Kobe didn't decide, oh, I'm going to pick my number eight and pick my number 24 because right. of the shot because clock. That. Like, that's not why. You right. know, but the fact that it lined up that way, man, it is it is so crazy, um, so so crazy. But yeah, the palestra you mentioned that—that's uh, we're lucky enough to be from this neck of the woods and, and be able to see that because there's so many people that don't understand what the palestra means to you know basketball in general. Forget just college and high school, and it's amazing. I, I remember seeing LeBron play there when he was in high school. It was such a cool. Well, um, I, I remember it was. Uh... The NBA lockout season, there was just a bunch of guys yes. that got a team together and played there I in was like there. Yep. or something. Yeah, I was there. Uh, Mello was there. Carmelo was there. Um, was it LeBron, too? And, and that would have been when Mello was, like, in his prime with the Knicks, right? Yeah, and to yeah. be honest, as cool as the idea was, it was an awful, awful game. <laughs> Did you? Were you there? I, I was not, no. Yeah. I know a few people that were. Oh, my God. I went, and it was... <laughs> It was terrible. There was like no bailouts. You would have given up football for that. Yeah, it was. It was so bad. It was so so bad. I remember Carmelo had like five fouls in the first like three minutes, and they were like, "All these people paid money to see him. We're not gonna have him foul out." And they let him keep playing. Yeah, it was a. It was a disaster. But the Palestra, no matter what goes on in there, when you walk through those those doors, man, that is definitely hollowed basketball ground for sure. And said Kobe was. um, Kobe's one of the special players ever come come through those doors. Good stuff there as we wrap things up here on Full Slate on a little more of a serious and somber note. But, hey, 
Let's have some fun tomorrow, Bill, and hopefully cash some tickets. We hit our big consensus play on Oklahoma, but obviously it's another little bit of a rough go for us last weekend. Yeah, yeah, we're coming back to reality a little bit, but I got a feeling tomorrow night is going to skyrocket us back up on the uh, the win leaderboard here. Bill, always fun. We'll talk later in the week. All right. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. He's Bill Christie, Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter. Find his picks at Larry's Logs 2. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. I'm off to a nice start this week. Bill went 7-1 and one on Tuesday. Let's keep things rolling into our hump day. And, of course, we hope you all tail our plays and please play responsibly.